We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. You'll fight the wrong war when Jesus is not high and lifted up and made the center of your heart and the effulgence of your joy. If Jesus is not your paradigm, if Jesus is not your model, if Jesus is not your mentor, if he's not your hope, you will not fight the right battle. And whatever battle you fight, you can't win. You cannot win where Christ is not high and lifted up. Over the last couple of days here on Way of Grace, we have spent our time focusing in on our adversary, the devil. He can be found here in Esther, chapter 9, verses 1 through 22, and that's where we've been the last couple of days. We have seen his lies, his words, and the wicked men he'll use, and how undiscerning Christians are led astray by him. We've seen his origin and his aim, his methods, the evidence of all of this. Well, today, as we close out our look at Esther chapter 9, verses 1 through 22, in our message called The Power of the Tale, we take a look at the remedy of our adversary. It's all found in the cross. Here's Pastor Jessica Stan with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The kingdom of God really should be striving for reality. Then look at verse 11. Here it is. But the younger widows refuse for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ. There it is. Do you know what he says? After a while, the widow who was 25 or 30 and 35 and 40, because people didn't live much more than 40 or 50 years old at that time, is looking around and all of a sudden her allegiance to Jesus starts to wane. That temperature goes down. Now she's looking for a brother. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Just put it up there as a placket. I want another man. Verse 12. Having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. In other words, it is not uncommon for men, for women to abandon Jesus for a pseudo savior and a man. But for Paul, it would appear by the obvious love for the world. Watch this, verse 13. And with all that, they learn to be what? You know what idol means? Aimless in their life. Meandering about, getting into people's business that they have no business in. Unprincipled, undirected, without a mission statement, without a mission calling. Not connected to the Spirit, not connected to the Son, not connected to the Father. Three men who have your best interests in view. And if those three men can't satisfy you, nothing will. I'm talking Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. With all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only that, see, you ain't got to go to the house anymore. All you got to do is pick up your phone. And not only that, but they are what? Tattlers. You know what a tattler is? The proverb says it's a gossip. And he that repeats a matter separates friends. Did you know what I heard? Did you know what I saw? You see that? This is all part of the family of Haman. 
toddlers and also busybodies speaking things which they what? You see what Paul is saying under the inspiration of the Spirit? The unbridled tongue of the female venturing into areas they should. Can, I'm going to move from here quickly because I, I, I see it got you. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Let me ask you the question. See, some of y'all are honest. It got you, right? Isn't it an amazing thing how you open your mouth and you go there when you shouldn't? And you don't realize that you're waging war. Waging war. You don't realize you're setting your brother or sister up to be slaughtered, to be hated, to be prejudiced against. Do you see? I hope some of you do. Let's move on to our further point so I can begin to wrap this up. As I stated before, its origin is in heaven. Do you see that in point number seven? Its origin is in heaven. That's what Revelation 12, 10 said. What is its aim According to John chapter 10, 10, it's to destroy. The whoop comes not but to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. That's the goal of the devil. And when we allow the diabolist to control our heart, what comes out of our mouth is a sword. And its job is to kill. The thief comes not but for the steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus, I am come that they might have what? And that they might have it what? Now think about this real quickly with me. If Jesus is in your tongue, what's going to come out? Life. If the devil is going to come out of you, if the devil's on your tongue or in your heart, what's coming out? Death. Theft. Stealing. Robbing. Controlling. Manipulating. Destroying. See it? Do you see it? Subpoint B. Its method is one. You know what that is? Its method is one. Its whole method is to destroy. It's to murder you. It's to kill you. That's John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. And its evidence is what? Division. Do you see it? So the, the goal, that's your PowerPoint. The goal is for the enemy is to deceive you with lies. Its goal is to destroy you by robbing you, by stealing you, bringing you into captivity, and then ultimately killing you. I want you to work this through with me. You are the, ye are of your father the devil. This is what Christ was saying to the rulers, right? And the lust of your father you will do. He was a what from the beginning? And he abode not in the what? Because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he is speaking of his own, for he is a liar and the father thereof. And was Jesus right? Did they slander Jesus? Did they lie about Jesus? Did they capture Jesus? Did they kill Jesus? There it is. There it is. One can talk about being Christian all day long, but the evidence is in your mouth and in your heart. Its origin is heaven. Its aim is destruction. Its method is one to kill you. Its evidence is division. How do I know when my words are diabolical? They divide. They sever. They create the breach. PowerPoint, please. They create the breach. I want you to see this. I'm going to just share with you one proposition. We talked about this in our ROE. Remember what I told you, ladies and gentlemen, when the narrative was given that we are to leave, to what? Cleave and to become what? One. That the battle was aimed at the second proposition, which is called what? Cleaving. Cleaving. Now, cleaving is the principle that transcends physical marriage and it enters into the whole of the covenant of relationship between God and people. Didn't we learn that? 
that God hath called his people out of darkness, out of Egypt, and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall cleave unto the Lord your God, what? Only. And what's the battle for the Christian every day? Cleaving. Is that true? Cleaving. What's the battle of the marriage? Cleaving. And who's waging war there? The devil. Every moment of the day. Every moment of the day. It's evidence is division. That's Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Did he, did he cause a breach between Adam and Eve? Did he breach Adam and Eve? He breached them because that's the goal. Do you guys get that? His goal was to breach it because he knew if he could just breach it, it would die on the vine. Because when you divide people, it has to die if somebody doesn't enter in as a mediator to recover them. Thankfully, we have a God who hunts us down. We have a God who searches us out. We have a God who retrieves us when there's a breach in the relationship. Is that true? We have a God who comes after us. We have a God who says, who may be talking to you right now. Where are you? Where are you? Are you breached or are you unified to Jesus? Are you separated in your spirit because the diabolus has given you a lie that has wedged you between you and your maker? Come back. Come back. Return unto the Lord. He has coverings for your nakedness. He has a blood that he has shed for your faith and righteousness. He knows how to reconcile you to himself and to others because the goal of the gospel is true and eternal unity. Y'all hear what I'm saying? True unity, not this superficial stuff. Unity through the Father, unity through the Son, unity through the Holy Ghost, and unity in the church. That's Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 7. Christ died that he might have one unified body. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The devil will not have it. He will not have it. Our next proposition then, not only is the origin in heaven, its aim is to destroy its method, its murder, its evidence, its division, breaches, splits, variances, hostilities, and wars. Its impact is suffering. I'm stating the obvious, but I wanted to come home. How do I know that when my words are used by the devil and the devil has my heart freely to engage in sordish divisional battles with people that I say that I care and love about, it always ends up in suffering. You understand that? It always ends up in suffering. There's always suffering there. And we get used to that crazy place. Don't we? Like morbid creatures given over to the sort of sadomasochism of being in that dark place of, of suffering. Just liking, just, it's kind of a, it's kind of a narcissistic thing, really. Can I, isn't that right? Isn't that a kind of crazy? I have about eight other points that I'm not going to bring out today, but they have to do with the madness of war, the vanity of war, the folly of war. The vision. Here's what I mean. I'm going to go back to my Rwandan brothers and sisters. When you get the call to go out and kill them today, as you're going out and hacking them up, hacking them up, people you know and people you've been related to, don't you have to lose your mind? Don't you have to go insane temporarily to execute that which you know deep down in your heart is a horrible, horrible atrocity? Don't you have to go mad? Well, that's what you're doing the moment that you twist your words against somebody you're supposed to love. You go mad. 
That's the subtle, diabolical warfare in the soul. Where the new man knows, even before you said, it shouldn't be said. And you do it anyway. You do it anyway. And then when the consequences fall out, you might even be surprised. Don't be surprised. That's the fruit of death. Do you see it? It's evidence, it's division, it's evidence, it's variance, it's evidence. This is what Paul meant in Galatians chapter 5 when he says, the spirit lusts after the flesh, and the flesh after the spirit. And if you give yourself over to walking after the flesh, out of the heart proceeds adulteries and murders and variances and strife and contentions and debates and jealousies and envies. All these things are not of God, and no one that's practicing these things will ever enter into the kingdom. You guys have heard that before. You know what blows me away? People will be sinning. Not like that blows me away. I'm, I'm used to that. But I mean, they will be committing an, an, an overt sin. Like fornication is just rampant in the church. Folks living together is rampant in the church. And I'll go, y'all sleeping together? Yeah. I say, stop right now. If you don't stop, you can be sure you're on your way to hell. Now, am I being rough or am I being right? Am I being rough or am I being right? Do you know that the Bible constantly says, he who practices these things will never enter the kingdom? Now, why would you want to bump up against excommunication factors that are explicitly laid out in the scriptures and think you're going to make it in? Somehow you're going to make it in. You're going to make it in. When all the rest of your brothers and sisters in Christ are striving to stay pure, striving to stay holy, striving to stay righteous, striving to stay single, waiting for God to bless them with a mate, you get to just go in all nasty, all unclean, committing all kind of pornea that God defies and God hates, and you think you can do it and get in. And, it, and Jesus said it, John the Baptist said it, Paul said it four or five times, Peter said it, the book of Revelation closes with it. These things will bar you from glory. Just bar you from glory. You're not getting in. You're not getting in. You're probably still lost. And if you want to know that you're not lost, go down to the courthouse now. Pastor Sunday, just wait. Just stay at the door and wait. Just stay at the door and wait. Save your soul from religion. Save your soul from false profession. Save your soul from superficial professing Christianity. Save your soul from hell. Save your soul from lies, from self-deception. Save your soul. You know what I'm talking about today? War. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about war. I'm talking about this relentless battle in the celestial dimension that has led so many Christians captive that you see very little zeal and allegiance to Jesus in their life. You just don't see it. And I'm just talking crazy. I'm just talking absolutely insane. 
It's what they said about John the Baptist. It's what they said about my master. He's a fool. He's a lunatic. The devil's got him. He's way too religious. I might be telling the truth. Its consequence is death. The loss of spiritual life, the loss of moral judgments, the loss of ethical boundaries, the loss of noble contemplation, an increase in vain thinking, obsession with self, driven to cover and hide and fight and war with God. Go with me to one last verse and I'm done for the day. Isaiah chapter 2. You see, Adam and Eve, when they took of the fruit, waged war against God. And the evidence was they ran and hid, no longer comfortable in the presence of the ineffable bliss. That's the first way you know that you are dying. You know you're dying when you cannot endure sound doctrine. You know you're dying. You know you're dying with deep down in soul, you hate sound doctrine. You're dying. Because formerly you loved sound doctrine. And now you don't. And now you distance yourself from the God of light and the people of light. And you hide behind the trees of humanism and worldly things and secular things. And you put on the fig leaves of self-righteousness. You're dying. When God has to say, where are you? You're dead. Listen to what Isaiah says in his, his epic eschatological hope for the children of Israel. We're going to be revisiting Isaiah on Friday. And I hope you show up. I hope, hope God turns your heart and brings you back out. This passage is about the coming of Christ the first time, and it's also about the coming of Christ in the latter days. Its, it's language really is couched around what we call the millennial reign of Christ, or this, this epic period in time where, where things are corrected, and things are healed, and things are put back in place. Isaiah chapter 2, just pull up Isaiah 2 so they can see it on their screen. Uh, bless God for our present generation, but most people don't bring their Bibles um, so we do like for them to actually see it on the screen. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. I'm going to land on verse 4, and I'm going to close with the statements of the remedy. We're going to come back in two weeks, the Lord willing, and we're going to pick up with Mordecai's increased glory as the basis for which you and I should be fighting a proper warfare. Mordecai's increased glory is the cause for which God's people will fight a proper warfare. The exaltation of Mordecai and his presence and his authority over all the powers, giving confidence to the people of God to fight a proper warfare, will grant them the ability to enter into joy because they fought a proper warfare. And that's what I'm saying to you and I'm saying to I. To the, de to, to the degree that you do not see the glory of God in Christ, you will not fight a proper warfare. You will not. You'll fight the wrong war. You'll fight the wrong war when Jesus is not high and lifted up and made the center of your heart and the effulgence of your joy. If Jesus is not your paradigm, if Jesus is not your model, if Jesus is not your mentor, if he's not your hope, you will not fight the right battle. And whatever battle you fight, you can't win. You cannot win where Christ is not high and lifted up. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw, isn't that paradoxical? Concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the what kind of days? 
The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall what? This is really speaking of the gospel age where the kingdom of God is prominent over the kingdoms of this world. And men and women see Jesus, the king on his throne as all glorious and wanting to come to him. Verse 3, and many people shall go saying, come ye and let us go up to the what? Mountain of the Lord, up to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will what? Teach us of his ways and we will what? Walk in his paths. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the purpose for hearing. You're not here to hear, not to walk. You come here to talk and you go out walking. This is what a true believer is. This is what a true believer is. Hear it again. He says, and we will walk in his path, for out of Zion shall go forth what? The gospel and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall do what? Beat their swords into what? Stop. 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 There it is. Turn your tongue from killing and cutting to cultivating and curing. Turn your tongue from killing and cutting to curing. Are y'all hearing me? Turn your tongue from killing and cutting to curing. Do you know how radical a grace that must be for you to have a sword in your hand and then all of a sudden it turns into a plowshare? That's called regeneration. You've got to be born again. You've got to be renewed. You've got to have that stony heart taken out, a new heart placed in. God has to write his laws on your heart and your mind. He has to speak into your soul good things. For out of the abundance of the heart doth the mouth what? Turn that sword into a plowshare and their spears into what? Now you see these people who love war working together to cultivate the field. They're breaking up the follow ground so some of us can come behind and plant some good seed in it. We need y'all to break up the follow ground. We need y'all to pray right and talk right and support us who are preaching the gospel. Pray right and talk right and support us so that the Spirit of God can break up that follow ground so we can cast in the word of life so that it have half a chance of taking root downward and bearing fruit upward and God getting the glory out of it. And we're talking about the hearts of your sons and your daughters and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your husbands and your wives. Let's break up the follow ground. Break up the follow ground. Turn over the soil. Talk right. Think right. Act right. Listen to it. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. And here it is. Neither shall they learn war anymore. The word, war, word learn there is the key word. You know what that means? It means to be instructed on how to wage war. We're born learning war. We practice it every day. Literally, the word means practicing war. Because, see, when you practice something, you get good at it. Neither will they practice war anymore. In other words, they'll have an abhorrence to that kind of conversation that goes that way. 
There's no, 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 I don't have a sword anymore. I got a plowshare. No, 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 I don't have a sword anymore. I got a pruning hook. Do you have a water hose? Do you have some good seed? Now we can have some conversation if y'all want to cultivate now. I want to labor for the Lord as a laborer in his vineyard. He didn't hire me to tear up stuff. He hired me to build up stuff. Amen. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was an impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768 Main Street. Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless.